Well, as I said, wonderful to see you all again on a bit of a steamy afternoon, but it is nice and cool in here. Uh, good conditions to get into God's Word, so why don't I pray for His help. Heavenly Father, uh, be with us now as we read your Word. May your Spirit be changing our hearts, uh, teaching our minds to follow Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, there are many guides. There are many guides. If you've got a problem, there's a guru to fix it. Uh, unlike this microphone thing, hang on, there we go. Yes, if you've, got a guru, if you've got a problem, there's a guru to fix it. There's always someone out there who's going to tell you how to do it. Uh, and there's many different people that you can follow. Uh, I've been reading an interesting book recently, uh, The Gospel of Wellness, uh, Gyms, Gurus, Goop, and the False Promise of Self-Care. That's uh, by uh, Rena Raphael. Uh, and she's an uh, interesting lady, a Jewish woman who used to be a wellness and lifestyle writer, uh, but she's kind of turned against the industry as she realises that um, for all the good that's in there of people trying to seek a healthy lifestyle, um, oftentimes, or sometimes at least, uh, it can become almost, uh, almost a religion in itself, full of promises to all of life's problems. Um, if there's a problem, someone is selling a wellness cure out there for it, whether it's activated charcoal toothpaste, crystals, oils, supplements... Uh, these all lie in the kale-covered road to wellness. She says uh, wellness was like her religion. Uh, it guided her as she pursued it. A um, uh, little quote here from her. She says, My life was consumed by wellness. It determined how I spent my weekends, picked where I vacationed, directioned uh, which restaurants I frequented, and prescribed my natural medications. Uh, so her life was being guided by this pursuit of this ideal. Uh, she says, the average wellness devotee believes adherence to popularized methods can overcome sickness, unhappiness, and even death. A strict overhaul of diet, movement, and thoughts is hailed as the new Messiah. In wellness, it seems we trust. And you can see this, right? You can see how someone would get drawn into this and then it would become almost like their religion. And you can see it in uh, you know, health things like this and so many other areas in life. People do the same. They're guided by something like this. Uh, well, by contrast, David, in our psalm, uh, his guide is the Scriptures. Uh, he describes the wonder of walking in the way of the Scriptures, of being guided by God's Word. Uh, in verses 1 to 3, David sets out his kind of grand vision his ideal for this wonderful way, what he's promising. Um, verse 1 says, How happy are those whose way is blameless, who live according to the Lord's instruction. Happy, blessed are those who walk in this way. Uh, this is like uh, the Beatitudes in uh, the start of Matthew's Gospel of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the, the poor in spirit and so on. Uh, happy are those whose way is blameless. Verse 2 continues, uh, beginning the same way, happy are those who keep his decrees and seek him with all their heart. Happy are those who seek him. Uh, it's the one who walks according to this way, according to the instructions who are guided by God's law, that one is happy. The law, God's word here, is the guide. The scriptures are the guidebook, giving directions. But do you notice how uh, optimistic these first three verses are? You know, he says, happy is the one who is blameless, who seeks with all their heart, 
and who do nothing wrong. And that's a pretty, uh, pretty complete list there. Pretty hard to do all those things. David, he, he's setting this grand vision. Uh, he's kind of saying, if we could do this, we would be happy and blessed. The one who does this is happy and blessed. Uh, but if only that was our way. We read David's vision and think, if only, if only this was me, if only I could. And David says the same in verse 5. If only my ways were committed to keep your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I think of all your commands. If only, <laughs> if only my ways were committed, laments David. Uh, and it's kind of David's crash. Reality hits uh, as he looks at his life, as he looks and thinks back over his record of his commitment to God's way, to the way of the word. Uh, and verse, second half of verse 5 says, If only I was committed to keeping your statutes. David thinks of the sin in his life when he lost his way and he feels guilty. If he could just remain committed and pure, verse 6 says, Then I would not be ashamed. Then I would not be ashamed. David's ashamed. And of course we can all relate to this. Uh, we all feel guilty uh, and ashamed as we think of of how wayward we can be sometimes as we contemplate the sin that we see in our lives. Uh, and we wish, you know, we think of the roads we've gone down and we, and we wish hadn't gone down there. Um, but if we kept it God's way, we wouldn't be ashamed, would we? We wouldn't be if we just kept it God's way. And we read, um, <clears throat> oh, often for Christians, sadly, uh, it's tempting um, not to think about God's word because of this. It, it's, uh, because it makes us ashamed, uh, we don't want to go there. We, we don't want to read his word. We, we don't want to be convicted uh, by these things. We read his word and it can become painful. There can be shame there when you ask yourself, how am I going at being committed to God's commands? It can be painful to be asked. And I was, uh, I was chatting with a friend about this midweek uh, and he, he said it's a bit like when you go to the dentist and the dentist says, have you been brushing your teeth? Um, I've been dodging my dentist lately because um, I know it's not going to be good. I know it's not going to be good. Uh, and to make matters worse, my dentist is my uncle. So it's just very complicated. It's very complicated. But I'm dreading what his dentist, dental hygienist will say as she peers into my mouth. Uh, and I cringe with embarrassment as I, I think of um, some of the feeble excuses I've mounted in the past. <laughs> Because I remember last time I was there, uh, I was insisting that I floss regularly to this dental hygienist. Uh, and the dental hygienist said, really? <laughs> and so I doubled down. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty regular with it. Uh, oh, is that so? She said, doubtfully, looking at the x-rays of all the cavities in my molars. I was ashamed. And uh, when I, I said this in the morning... I was telling this story, and we have a dentist in the morning, and it was, I was trying not to make eye contact. Uh, well, th this is verse 6 for David, right? He's ashamed. Uh, he's ashamed as he thinks of what could be of this vision of walking blamelessly in the way of the Lord. And so the question is, how can we keep the way? Uh, it's the problem David has. He asks in verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? This is the question. We all walk... Uh, one way or another. We all walk one way or another, but how can we keep our way pure? Go the right way. How can we keep it aligned to God's way? How can we live out this great vision from verses 1 to 3 of walking in the wonderful way? Well, 
The psalmist, his solution, his answer, in the second half of the verse, it says, uh, by keeping your word. By keeping your word. Uh, And the key really is God's word. Uh, Verse 10, seeking the word. Verse 11, treasuring the word. Verse 15, meditating, thinking about your word, your precepts. The tool God has given us to walk the way is the word, the scriptures. You literally hold the key to it in your hands, or some of you have it on the the benches, I can see. But you've got it there. It's the scriptures. Psalm 119, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the psalm, it's very, very long, 176 verses. It's, I don't know, it's the longest one around or something, for sure. Certainly none of the psalms even get close. He just goes on and on and on about this topic. And if I could sum up the whole psalm in, in one verse, it would be verse 16. I will delight in your statutes. That is a good summary of the whole psalm. The question for David isn't how can he be saved, uh, but how will he walk on the way? I want to make that clear. We're not talking about how do you become justified or blameless. The only way to do that is to be found in Christ, to receive Jesus' blamelessness. When David says he wants to walk blamelessly, um, he is already assuming that he's one of God's children, that he, is, uh, that he has been accepted by God, that he is uh, already his son. Uh, and the question is, how will I walk in a way that pleases God? That is the question that we're answering, that he's answering in this psalm. How will we walk that way? How will we remain pure? And his answer is, keep the word. <laughs> The end of verse 9 there. Notice verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way? That young man, it's the same language as Proverbs, isn't it? Instructing a young person setting out. Who is the teacher? Who is the instructor? The wise, loving instructor of today's life lesson? It's none other than Jesus himself. uh, For he is the one behind all of the Psalms. Uh, And we see that uh, Psalm 78, verses 1 to 2 says, My people hear my instruction. Listen to what I say. I will declare wise sayings. And um, to cut a long story short, you go to Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is preaching in parables, uh, and then this is said about him. This is said about him. He was the one giving the instructions. Um, He was the one teaching, declaring wise and sayings. And so it's true of all the Psalms. Jesus is the voice of wisdom behind uh, the Psalms, behind Scripture. The Messiah who, who made and saved the world is the voice of wisdom on every page of Scripture. And so our teacher, the the voice of wisdom in our psalm, Jesus, asks, how can we keep the way? And his answer is, meditate on the Scriptures. And the the question is, is Jesus qualified to offer advice on this? Does he know? Could he he do this? Is he he legit in this area? And uh, we have an account where Jesus used the Scriptures to keep uh, on the way. I don't know if you can think of which one I might be referring to, but when, the, when Satan tempted him uh, in the wilderness, of course, Satan three times, the great deceiver threw his best temptations at Jesus, and three times Jesus quotes Old Testament scriptures to Satan, uh, correcting Satan, saying, no, no, this is the right way to go. Rather than being led away by the tempter, he is guided by scripture. Um, because he was able to, to recall it, because he had meditated on it. The account ends saying, uh, Luke 4.13, After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. 
So Jesus won, devil zero. Defeated by the word, got him again, devil's out. But it works. Scripture is an effective tool. Uh, Ephesians 6 calls it the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word, we are told. It's our tool, our weapon to keep our way pure as we walk uh, for God, as we walk as God's children. We all want to be close to God. We all want to be living to please God. Uh, and the tool that we are given is the word, the scriptures. So we need to be saturated in the word. We need to be all about it, saturated in it. There's a, a famous quote. You must have heard of it. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, speaking about John Bunyan, um, he says of John Bunyan, prick him anywhere and you will find that his blood is bibline. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. He cannot speak without quoting a text, for his soul is full of the word of God. And I, I just love that. It's such a grand vision. Like, if you prick him, the Bible would flow out. He's just full of it. He's completely saturated in it. Uh, and it's a challenging vision. You know, like, if you pricked me, I think a bit of Bible would come out, but probably some Netflix and YouTube as well. But this is David's solution. Be all about the word. So before I challenge you to consider for yourselves how you're going in this, uh, let's look again at David's description of uh, what I'm going to call the way of the word, verses 10 to 16. David gives us a number of descriptions of how he saturates himself in the word uh, so as to be able to direct us in the way. Uh, verse 10 talks about seeking the word. Verse 11, treasuring the word. Verse 13, proclaiming the word. Verse 15, meditating and thinking on the word. Uh, and verse 16, delighting in and not forgetting the word. What, what a rich picture there. Let me pull out three things that we see running through these verses. Uh, firstly, the way of the word actively seeks the word. You see how active all of his descriptions are? David's practices... Well, they are practices. He's, he's active. The, the words are they're, they're present words. He's doing these things. It's not something he did in the past. So verse 2 says, Happy are those who keep his degrees, who seek him with all their heart. He doesn't say, Once I learnt them, uh, once I sought him, and now I'm there. No, no. It's very active, isn't it? It's ongoing. Verse 2, he seeks. He clings to it. Uh, he rejoices in it in verse 14. And 15, meditates on it. These are active words. The, the scriptures, we're not going to become saturated by them magically. Uh, it isn't a one-time thing. It's something that we have to seek out in an ongoing way. It's going to take effort and time and commitment. It's going to take us away from other things. It's something to do. It's something to put on the to-do list because this is an active thing. So that's the first thing to notice. The second thing uh, about this way of the word is that he consumes the word. Uh, he lives off it. He's sustained by it and directed by it. It's feeding off it. It's fuel to remain true. Uh, he wants to live according to it in verse 1, uh, as though the path which he travels along uh, is ongoing and continuous, so must the word be that he takes up, you know, a fresh word for each step along the path is the kind of image that you are given. You know, we eat, we eat food, we have a good, you know, fill our, fill our bellies right up and we're good to go, but then, you know, a few hours later we need some more. And, and you get that sense with David, this is his fuel. Um, 
Verse 15, I will meditate on your scriptures and think about your way. Like it's this constant feeding. It's because the, the word is something that we do need reminding of. You know, second half of verse 16, I will not forget your word. Presumably because we can forget the word um, if you don't do all these things that he's talking about. Like going over something, you know, yes, you can cram for an exam. We all know cramming kind of gets us over the line with an exam, but it doesn't really like stick in us. To really get something in there, you have to go over and over. And that's the kind of thing that David is talking about. We have to keep reminding ourselves. The psalmist, you notice as well, it's not like he had his fill of the word in the past when he was a boy, and now he's good to go. He learned all the Sunday school stories, and now he knows the word. It's not like that at all. It's, it's something that he's committed himself to. Um, it's not like he, when he got saved, whenever that was, then he got the word and it was with him. No, it's, it's fuel for life. He has to consume it. You can't possess the word in that sense. Um, the, the word, it always, it's always spoken about something that we access uh, because it's subjective. It's God's word and we, we come to it, we learn it, we memorize it. It's something that we need to go to and learn. We're going to have to be active in that. We need to consume it. We live off it as we live by it. Uh, finally, uh, notice the way of the word. He treasures, he treasures the word. This is about the value that he places on it. Verse 11 says, I've treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. And you see that the word means more to the teacher than gold or silver. It's his greatest love. Verse 14 says, I rejoice in the way uh, revealed by your decrees as much as all riches. This is the thing he rejoices in more than any, any money, any riches. Uh, and it has such a great priority in his life. Treasuring the word then, it's the key to remaining on the way. Uh, because it means that he will not go against it. It means so much to him that he will not go against it. And we see that in verse 11. He says, I've treasured your word in my heart so that I will not sin against you. It means so much to him that he won't go against it. It is his first love. And so how are you, uh, how are you doing at all of this? You know, like it's pretty simple really what he's saying. Uh, it really means we need to be reading our Bibles meditating on, on the Word. You know, there's so many ways you can do it. You can have your little quiet time. Uh, some people put on audiobooks in the car. I don't know if you can... I, I struggle to take it in. What it, what, however you do it, it needs to be coming in and able to change our hearts, affecting us in a deep way. Um, uh, we can do reading, Bible reading with friends, with family. Um, you, can, you can meet people and read the Bible. It's something we love to see people doing. Um, of course, we're doing, we're doing it right here, right now, aren't we? We've got God's Word, and we're tearing it apart, and we're saying, what does this mean? How does this change our lives? Uh, this is a way to meditate uh, and seek God through His Word. Another way is uh, the gospel teams that we do, the Bible study groups. Um, they're such a great way to really soak in, really meditate in God's Word, aren't they? Like We, we pick a passage, and we really wrestle with it uh, for, for an hour or so, uh, and then we pray about it afterwards. It's a deep word-shaping time. These are, the, these are the practical ways that we can actually do the things David is talking about here in this psalm. And so how are you going with this? How are you going at seeking out the word? As you, um, as you think about your own life, are you actively seeking it? Are, are you living off it, consuming it? Um, because... 
Surely what David is saying is that you can't be estranged from the word and keep your way pure. Isn't that the conclusion you draw? If these are all the things to stay on the way to remain pure, if you're not doing these things, aren't you going to be doing the opposite of that, getting lost? Uh, The opposite of all these descriptions would surely lead us to get lost along the way. If we're passive, if we consume other things instead of the word, if we don't treasure it, if we treasure other things with our time and our energy... Our teacher holds out a very convicting vision for the way of the word. It's a very grand vision, and yet it's a very convicting vision. Well, I think now's a good time to come back to verses 7 and 8 and look at committing to the way, uh, which David does in these verses. Um, It's a very challenging passage, challenging verses, um, and I want to ask all of us here, do you read your Bibles? Um, You know... I'm sure you read it on Sundays when you're at church, which is, which is good. Do you read it throughout the week as well? Um, where do you read it? How often do you read it? It's, uh, this is your checkup from Dentist Josh. It's kind of a checkup. I want you to, I want you to think about how often are you reading your Bible? Um, it's interesting. If we compare not reading our Bibles to not brushing our teeth, uh, which is worse? Which is worse? Because you can lose your teeth uh, and it won't kill you. Uh, but not reading your Bible, well, it just might. How bad is sin? Jesus says in Matthew 5.29, I've been thinking about this verse, it's just a crazy verse. It says, If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You're going to be fine without an eye. I mean, you want to keep your eyes. But you're going to be, you will be okay if you don't have one of your eyes. It's not going to drag you down to hell. Your, losing an eye will not end you in hell. Um, but if your eye stops you from keeping God's word, well then, then that eye could end you up in hell. It's, what he's saying is it's larger than life, and yet it's true. Cavities in your teeth, they will not kill you. Not getting to all of your emails will not kill you. Not exercising enough. None of these things are going to send you to hell. But sin, living in sin, well, that might. If, if you are living in sin and you get lost along God's way, that will send you to hell. The committed uh, Christian is to seek God, is, is to become a follower of Jesus. And so wandering off the way, it's a, it's a serious problem. Verse 10 says, I've sought you with all of my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. And so this seeking, it's to prevent us from wandering from God's commands. Well, our psalmist uh, in here, verses 7 and 8, he commits himself to the way of the word, uh, commits himself to this. And, and that's really, in, in a sense, what the whole psalm is, is this himself committing uh, to it. So verse 7 says, I will praise you with a sincere heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. He says, I will, I will commit to this, to learning your judgments, he says. I commit, I resolve. That's kind of quite appropriate. So close to New Year's, he's saying, this is a resolution that I make to learn and to keep your word. Uh, And so, yeah, the question I'm asking you is, do you commit to this, to seeking with your heart the scriptures, to learn and keep the word? to keep God's way in the scriptures? Uh, or do you not have time to read his word regularly? 
Is it just too hard? Is it just too much? Are there too many other things? I hate when people say that. There's not enough time. Uh, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but I'm trying to challenge you. There's, there's so many things in life that scream out for our, that demand our time. Uh, and I'm trying to, to challenge us all and say we need to make time for this. This is very, very important. And uh, it's not easy. I'm speaking to myself as much as you. It's hard to, to regularly carve out time for this. Well, where do I go next? Hmm. Uh, the other thing I think is worth mentioning, we need to be helping each other with this. I think it's really easy to, um, to kind of point the finger or to, to not really be encouraging each other in this, but we, we need to be asking each other, how are you going? Uh, to helping each other with it, to sharing the wins. Uh, you know, I've been, I've been reading this book, it's been really good, or when it's hard and I've been struggling to get to it, I think we can really help each other with this. Um, a little later on uh, this year, in the big day out, we're going to do a bit of a Bible reading plan. Uh, we'll have it there if you want to join in with that. Um, you can, uh, but you don't need to wait till March. You can get into God's Word right now. Uh, well, to end, let me just uh, remind you that you aren't alone, uh, for there is help in the way. Uh, on the basis of delighting in the Word and His commitment, the psalmists ask for God's help all the way through the psalm. Uh, If you seek out God's guidance, he will help you. Verse 8 says, I will keep your statutes, never abandon me. You can see there, there's David's commitment and then his request for help. David asks for God's help. He, He commits to doing it, he resolves to doing it, and then he asks for God's help. So verse 10, I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander. From your commands. Again, I've sought you. It's his commitment. And therefore he asked for God's help. Don't let me wander. It's, it's a plea of an honest seeker. I seek you, so keep me from wandering. The psalmist fears wandering, and so he seeks and asks for guidance. For, for the way that we begin the Christian life is the way that we will continue it. How do we begin as Christians? We begin in humility, asking for grace and forgiveness for sin. And that's the way that we will continue. We continue asking for grace, asking for for help, asking to be set free from sin. And so we appeal to God who is gracious to forgive our sin, who is gracious to direct our path, who loves to give good gifts to his children. And that's our great hope, isn't it? Why don't I pray uh, and ask for God's help in this right now. Heavenly Father, You are our good and loving Father. And so we appeal to you, help us. We need your help. Lord God, we commit to seeking you out, to walking in your way. Father, thank you for the tool of the word which you put in our hands. Forgive us for how often we squander it, but help us to search it, to meditate on it, to think about it, to live off it and by it. We need your help, Lord, that we may please you with our lives. In Jesus' name we ask for these things. Amen.